It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. You are listening to the On Purpose Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of the On Purpose Podcast. Man, we're, we're blessed to be here with you. I'm loving, loving the momentum and the movement we are creating around the world, sharing inspiring, thought-provoking, and purposeful content each and every week. This week, I'm blessed to bring you the story of Rebranding, not just as a businesswoman, but rebranding her life from, from an abusive ra- relationship and a teenage pregnancy into to the lotus effect, as she calls it, and where she's headed now. This week, I hope you really sit back and enjoy this interview with Kat Pulsinelli and, and have some of the laughs with us. Stay, make sure you stay all the way to the end to learn her softball nickname because I think once you feel her energy, it will resonate true with you. Enjoy this week's interview, and thank you all for being here. Kat, welcome to the On Purpose podcast, my friend. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be a part of it. <laughs> I'm just super excited because Kat is a name that I cannot butcher. I can't mess up any yeah. pronunciation. So I feel like at ease already. Yes, I scored one. Okay. <laughs> Kat, briefly introduce yourself to the On Purpose community. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Oh, goodness. Well, there's a whole story behind that. So I'll try to keep that one short. But um, essentially, now I am a business operations and mindset coach. So I work with entrepreneurs that are focused on overwhelm, and I help simplify their processes and create customized implementations within their business, whether that's daily habits, time management, productivity, or mindset skills. And I use the term that goes with my company brand, um, which is the Lotus Effect that I recently founded. And that is that I take my people from the murky, muddy waters, and I help them rise to the surface to become what is uniquely them. And that's a journey mm-hmm. that I share personally myself, which is the the reason that the company got its name. Um, the Lotus is very close to my heart. I was a uh, pregnant at 16. I thought I was doing great, graduated early, second in class, did the whole thing, full-time job, college at night, um, wound up in a, in a different relationship at the age of 18. I had my second son when I was 19, um, and that relationship ended in an eight-year abusive relationship, more mental and emotional um, than anything. So very narcissistic. Um, I worked two and three jobs. I wasn't allowed to go anywhere kind of a thing. And so I really had to find myself. So at the age of about 27, 28, my kids were 10 and seven at the time. I literally started life over. When I say started over, I mean, I had to file for bankruptcy. I bought my first car. 
I bought my first cell phone and I moved back in with family to get back on my feet. The one thing I had going for me was I had a really good job. I worked in the medical profession as a medical administrator and I had my kids. And so I thought that that's all that I needed. And through the journey over the last almost 10 years now that it's been that I've been out of that situation, uh, I really have stood behind the Lotus and it's been very symbolic to me of the journey that I went through that I see a lot of people going through or wanting to go through as we continue down this journey called life. Mm, I love it. It is a journey of life, right? Like it's not a destination. <laughs> Man, that was Definitely. good. I love it. I love being able to share your story and I'm super fascinated to, to bring this to our community. But Kat, before we do that, before we get to the heavy lifting, I got to warm you up. Like you got to have a warm okay. up. Like we just don't jump right in and start swimming. All right. So okay, are you ready. ready to get warmed up? Because this this actually sometimes is the most important part of the episode. I got to know the answers to these four questions. Okay. I'm ready. All right. You are on a deserted island the rest of your life, Kat. What food are you bringing with you? What food am I yeah. bringing with you? You only get oh one my thing. Gosh. One thing? One thing. You're eating it forever. Choose wisely. Eating it forever. But I can constantly have it delivered to me or made, right? Yeah. Because if so, I'm going for pizza, like okay. I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. What are you going to throw on that pizza? That's always an interesting one. Pe people like different oh, things. Oh, man. You know what? I am not picky when it comes to pizza, but I am one of those weird people that also likes pineapple on their pizza. I know everybody gets me for it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, being Italian, I think I could have anything on pizza. Like I could have breakfast stuff. You could put eggs and bacon on there. We could go to some pepperonis mm. and some banana peppers and spinach or, you know, I'll just go pineapple. <laughs> There you go. I'm not pulling everything else. Man, I really wish breakfast pizza would have caught on better. That is a fascinating. Yeah. I love breakfast pizza. Right? We had a place. It's of, like two of my favorite things. Yeah, we had a place in Colorado that had a fantastic breakfast pizza, and then he went out of business. Oh. I must not have told enough people. That's what it was. I take full <laughs> responsibility for my failure there. <laughs> All right, Kat, you get one superpower. What is your power and why do you want it? It would have to be telepathy. Mm. To be able to connect with people that I already feel connected with or feel like they need something and be able to have a conversation with them on a very personal, private level to help them through things. I think that would be super cool. I love it. Yeah, that's a good one. Favorite book? Oh, wow. I have so many favorite books. Um. I would have to say my recent favorite, which I'm actually reading for the second time, uh, which was a game changer for me, is called The Mountain Is You. It's by Brianna Weiss, W-E-I-S-S, -S, I believe. Um, and it talks a lot about self-sabotage and she goes through a lot of explanations and really breaks it down. And there's just something about that book that like really caught my attention uh, as I was going through you know, the next level of healing in my life. And so I recommend it to everyone, everyone. I love it. The mountain is you. We'll put it on our list, my friend. <laughs> Kat, you, final question here. You get to have dinner with one person. They can either be with us or have passed away. Who is that person and what specifically do you want to ask them? Oh, my goodness. Um, so many people. I think it would have to be, okay, I'm, I'm going to be the dorky one. Um, I would say that I would love to meet um, Michael Jackson. 
Oh, wow. I had an obsession with him as a kid. I <laughs> loved his music. Uh, I love music in general. Right. Singing is one of my ultimate passions. Um, but I think I would love to meet him because I would love to know the story behind how he felt living in a world where there was no privacy and how that affected his life as he continued to grow. Oh, wow. I was not expecting that one, Kat. That was a definite curveball. <laughs> so you had a fascination with him as a youngster, huh? I did. I loved him growing up. I knew the moves. I knew all the songs. Like, ah, it was, yeah. Hey, let me ask you this, though. Did you have the zipper jacket? I did not. I never got mm. the zipper jacket. I am so mm. bummed about that. I had the zipper jacket. Me and my brother both had. One of us had the black oh. zipper jacket. One had the red zipper jacket. Nice. But we were never allowed to wear them in public. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can understand that. Yeah, but... no, we had them. We had them. I don't, actually, I don't know where the heck they ever ended up. My mom loves the podcast. She listens to it. She'll probably message me and tell me exactly where our <laughs> Michael Jackson zipper jackets have been for the last 40 years. That's fantastic. Well, how you feeling, Kat? You warmed up? I'm warmed up. I'm feeling good. I'm ready for more questions. I love it. I love it. We're, we're just honored to have you here. And what I love to share with our community is like what people are doing, right? Because that's super important. But beyond the what, I like to let them know who is behind the what, right? Because sometimes we get in this rut in life or this place in life where our what is defining our who, I always challenge people to like, remember, we're a who. So who are you? Who? Imagine if we introduce ourselves to people. We say, Kat, how are you doing today? And instead of saying, what do you do? Who are you? Tell me about yourself. And as I prepare to share the who of you and bring that out, one of the things I really wanted to start with is something that's near and dear to my heart is talking about the teenage pregnancy and kind of what you went through at that moment that kind of led you to where you are now and how it becomes your story? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the teenage pregnancy for me was uh, actually completely out of the blue. So I, I actually enjoy telling people this side of the story and about my abuse because for a lot of people, they tend to take someone that's been in situations like this and they fit them into a category, right? Which is, mm -hmm. Uh, they didn't have a lot of love growing up. Their parents were never there or, you know, they, they were craving attention. I don't fit into any of those categories. I had a great upbringing, um, a little strict. My family was Roman Catholic, um, but I had an amazing upbringing. My parents didn't fight. They're still together 40 years later. Um, so, and I was the oldest of um, three girls and I, I got to do everything I wanted to. I played sports all my life. Uh, actually, when I got to high school, I was on the track team. I was on the softball team. I was in one of the main choirs. Um, I sang a solo at Epcot when I was 14, 14, 15. Like, so I had a lot of things going for me. Um, I had plans of going to college on a scholarship for um, either my softball career or singing. It was my passion. And I thought that's what I was going to do. Um, what ended up actually happening is I did what every person does when they're a teenager. I want to fit in. And even though I was a very 
rebellious. I do what I want. I always stood up for people, kind of a person. I always spoke out against things. I wanted what every other girl had because I was starting to have girlfriends, uh, which wasn't really a thing when I was younger. And then everybody had a boyfriend. So I was like, well, I want a boyfriend, right? Um, <laughs> that is actually what led to the huge amount of trust that I put into a young boy at the time. Um, and a lot of people are surprised by this as well, that he was my first and my first and on, like only in the very beginning. So there was no one else. He was my first like real serious boyfriend. Um, and I just put a lot of extra trust and not kind of being very naive um, at that time. But when I found out I was pregnant, um, I hit it for four and a half months. So I did not tell anyone. I continued with softball. I uh, worked out five days a week. I was squatting like 150 and benching, <laughs> you know, 95. Like in my head at that time, if I could just ignore it and maybe if I stay like really fit, maybe like go away, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so it finally came to a head to where it was like, you couldn't hide it. It was starting to show. And so I had a conversation with my boyfriend at the time and uh, decided that the smart thing to do <laughs> was for both of us to go and have a conversation with them. Uh, that did not necessarily go as planned. I ended up having to be the one to bring it up because he wouldn't say anything. And um, within under five minutes, my father was like, get out of my house <laughs> for him. Yeah. So um, it was it was really hard because my family didn't, we didn't really talk about those kinds of things when I was younger. And uh, my upbringing was not really around that. And I just like, I shocked everyone. And I feel like at that time, I felt like I devastated the whole family, right? I had two younger sisters that looked up to me. And so it was a really tumultuous time for me. Um, I had a really hard time with my family accepting me. There was always questions of, did you do something else? How many people have you slept with? Like all the whole things, right? And then I got the weird stares in public, which was extremely debilitating to me. Um, you know, people would grab, I actually had a lady that grabbed her child away from me one time when I was in the store and that just like broke me down, you know, being at that age and being pregnant and trying to like figure everything out. So uh, we did do a couple of therapy sessions and um, one of the people that we actually talked with was like, okay, well, you know, you've got two choices. Like if you want to continue, you know, the way you are, you know, you can always do adoption and something about that ticked me off. I mean, like <laughs> beyond words. And I was like, there's no way, like I laid into yeah, this lady, I love it. but it was at that moment that I made the decision like, okay. I get two choices and that choice is I can continue to be a teenager and my kid, my kid can be raised by my parents, which there were actually several girls that were pregnant in my school at the same time during the year that did that. Or I can step up and be a mom and accept my responsibility because it's a choice that I made. Mm -hmm. And that was a choice that I made. So I finished out my sophomore year. I found a school that was an alternative school that allowed me to take my son with me. And I took him there. I um, paid for a dollar a day for daycare. I breastfed my son through my first year of high school over there. I graduated my junior year. So the one year that I was there, I graduated early, uh, president of student council, and I graduated second in class with honors. And then I did what every person did at that time, which was you went to college right after. So I had a full-time job. I worked at a daycare that allowed me to bring my son with me and I went to school at night. Um, so that was kind of the, what I thought was, I was going down the right path and I really was trying. Um, but you know, parents upbringing, teenager can do what she wants, figure it out kind of thing. We just 
butted heads. And knowing that I was doing my absolute best, I decided that I could handle everything. And so I moved out. And that's kind of what started the the next chapter in my life. Yeah, man. Great story. I love that. I love that, that you, one, I love that you got pissed off when people started giving you <laughs> options that you felt were like easier than you wanted to take. So, so I love mm-hmm. that because I think at times, no, a lot of circumstances, if we're afforded an easier road, human nature sometimes is to take it. Yeah. But because you knew who you were and you're like, no way, I'm, I'm responsible. Right. And I think that's such a powerful message for people in life is we are responsible. We're responsible for us. Mm-hmm. You know, man, I love it. Talk to me about how did you handle that feeling of letting people down? That was really hard for a while, especially being 16, right? Because you want your parents to be proud of you. You want everyone to be proud of you. So I think that was one of the things that really pushed me to make some of the decisions that I made because I wanted to step up into my new role, but I wanted to prove that like, just because I screwed up this one thing, it doesn't diminish everything that I can do in life. It just means that, you know, it kind of shifts. I had to pivot at that time. So I did actually have a problem with that for a while. And I felt like I was always trying to explain myself, you know, or try to do more to feel better. And I do think that part of not having that or feeling that way um, was kind of a gateway into the relationship that I went into as well, because I was a little bit more pleasing, right? I wanted to make sure I was doing things right because I already had it in my head that I had screwed up. And so I think that I just opened some doors to myself, you know, looking back at it, that kind of put me in that situation and allowed someone else to kind of say, oh, so we could probably do this, you know? So would you say that was, would you rate rate that back to like self-worth, just feeling that you were worthy? Is that what I, I would at? say that I don't know if it was I, I think it was looking for outside validation mm. yeah so it so it does go to that self-worth and I felt like I was making up for not doing things the right way which then kind of led into that people pleasing piece and um feeling like no matter what I did, I needed to try more and I needed to give more instead of realizing that there's a, a balance within that and there's boundaries in that as well. Boundaries is a huge thing, right? Boundaries, not only for other people, but boundaries that we put on ourselves, right? What, yeah. what will allow ourselves to say to ourselves, what will allow ourselves to think about ourselves. It's huge that we put those boundaries and that, that we check in and say, wait a second, I'm not treating me the way I'm supposed to treat me, right? So how did you, so you get into this relationship now that that is abusive and and you're feeling like this is not my life, right? And you're ready to make a change. How, what was that moment? Was there a specific moment when you're like, wait a second, Kat, you're worth more than this? Yeah, there really was. So, you know, and I I explain this to people because I don't think a lot of people understand this when people talk about being in an abusive relationship. The abuse wasn't in the very, very beginning, right? Like it was little trickles. It was little small things that I didn't notice at the time, but I noticed now was kind of controlling, right? And then it kind of built upon that 
as he was able to separate me from my family and separate me from people that I knew and separate me from my friends. And so it got worse. My thing, I think at the time was, I was very strong headed. Um, we could say bullheaded even. <laughs> and so it was kind of like, um, well, I can handle it. It's yeah. fine. Right. I, I'm doing what I have to do. My kids were my main priority. So I really feel like I got to a point to where I just put up with it. Um, but it did start to eat away at my identity and who I was and how I did have conversations with myself. I got to the point to where I didn't trust what I was saying to myself because I was always thinking, okay, well, maybe he's right. Like that makes sense. Maybe I'm, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. So my pivotal point of knowing like something needs to be different uh, was actually about two years before I got out of the relationship. And uh, we were having an argument in the hallway and uh, which was a you know regular occurrence. And my kids happened to come into the hallway as we were arguing. Um, and unfortunately, you know, they, they did see a lot of that. They heard the screaming and, and some of that, but they came in this one particular night and they were standing next to him. And I, I don't remember what we were arguing about, but what I do remember is he made a comment and both of my kids repeated, yeah, mom, why are you doing that? It's your fault. That hit me harder than anything he had ever said to me. That's when I knew like, holy crap, I can deal with this, but I'll be darned if I'm going to allow my boys to be like him. Wow. Well, and that, I think that's so amazing that, like, your natural instinct is you could put up with it because your boys were your priority, right? Like, you personally, until you hear it come out of their mouths, and you're like, wait a second, like, they're going to repeat this behavior. Yeah. So, at that point, so then for two years, you're kind of, like, working towards being able to leave then at that point? Yeah, so it was, it was more of... I started to learn to play the game. And I know that that sounds terrible to some people, but I learned how to play the psychological game. I started learning who he was, how he reacted to certain things. And I figured out ways to get my way for certain things, but make it so it was his idea. So I started learning who he was. I stopped arguing as much. I started being very quiet. Um, I started breathing differently. I would try to watch um, like Joel Olstein or something like that that could put me in a different space at the time. And so I started doing that a lot. And that started giving me the inner confidence to know that like one day this is going to be different. Um, that led me to getting a really great job in the medical field. So that was like the next step. And it was like, okay, we're getting closer. Like I can do this. And so I started doing things behind his back. If he wasn't around, I started talking to my kids differently. I started trying to have conversations on a different level. Um, but I started separating my identity, which had kind of merged with his. And I started taking myself back. I love it. And what was that initially like? Was it scary, freeing? What were what were you feeling? It was it was scary a little bit when we would have the arguments and I would have to try to hold back because all the rage in me just wanted to be right, but it was also very liberating. Because I started to get to a place to where no matter how much he screamed at me, no matter how much he was in my face, I could remain calm and I had control over that. And for a lot of years, I didn't have control over a lot of anything. I always tried to, 
but in reality, I didn't. And so that was a part of control that I was able to take back where I could differentiate what he is doing is not what I want. This is not what I want. And I knew that there could be better. I love it. And so you took back control of your emotions, your responses. Yeah. Right. And we can do that in all circumstances in life, right? Like one thing that we know is life is going to happen. We don't always mm -hmm. control that, but we always control our responses to life. Yeah. Good for you. So you get two years later, you're out and you decide you're essentially going to rebrand yourself as a human, right? You're, you're yeah. out. What was the biggest obstacle you had to face mentally, your biggest mental obstacle to making that leap? Two of them, people pleasing and boundaries. Mm. I had a really hard time with that when I got out of the relationship, really hard time with it. Um, I, you know, when I first got out of my relationship, because I, that was a four and a half year custody battle and battles in the courts and a whole nother level of stuff. Um, but because I was so hyper-focused on my kids and making sure that they had better and they had what they needed and I kept a good job and I could start rebuilding myself, uh, I did not deal with me. So I shoved all my emotions and everything that I went through into a box um, and figured I could just deal with it. Um, and so I put myself back through school. Um, so I worked, I worked between 40 and 50 hours a week. I would come home. I'd help my kids with homework, help my family with whatever they needed, help my sisters with whatever they needed, help my friends with whatever they needed. And then the weekends were dedicated to my kids. And then in the evenings, I went to school online because I was determined to finish the degree I never got to finish, um, which served to an extent uh, until it didn't. How so? How did, how did it not serve? Because when you people please, you're constantly giving away every bit of your energy of your being mm. to other people, whether they are draining you and they're good for you or not. And ultimately the, the big reason for doing that for me was because I didn't want to be by myself. Every time that I was alone by myself, I cried. I got frustrated. I got upset. I couldn't figure out why I was dealing with the emotions that I was dealing with. Because for me, I was done with it. I wasn't in that situation. And by not creating the boundaries, I was saying yes to everyone for everything, even if it meant them taking advantage of me, which ended up actually happening in the degree that I was working in. I, I worked for a doctor's office for... Um, several years after my, uh, after I got out of my relationship and I got taken advantage of, I worked through my lunches. I came and work early. If my kids were sick, we had a spare room. So I stuck them in it and I took care of them while I worked because nobody else could do my job. And I felt like I was obligated to. Mm -hmm. Once I started realizing that I could say no and it's okay. And like, this is my job, but this is not my life. Like I'm building somebody else's life and they're taking advantage of it. That's when the boundaries came into play. When those boundaries came into play, it was a whole nother world of a crap storm <laughs> happened <laughs> because the people I had associated myself with that I didn't want to deal with their drama started having problems with me. You know, my sure. doctor who wanted to do things differently that I didn't agree with morally in his practice, we started headbutting on a lot of that, which ultimately actually ended up costing me my job. Um, abruptly out of nowhere, I got fired. And um, that's when I made the leap into the entrepreneurial space. And 
I would love to say that I was totally ready for it, scared to live in hell out of me. But at the same time, it was kind of one of those, like, you know what, with all the other crap that I've dealt with and I've been through, like, I owe it to myself to run something that makes sense for me. And I can help people the way I choose to, instead of allowing someone else to delegate how I do that. That's interesting. I like that you said you owe it to yourself because I, I talk a lot about the importance of being selfish in life, right? I know it's a big buzzword now. Everybody wants to be selfless. And I argue the opposite. That I can't be my best you, cat, if I'm not a little bit selfish for me, right? Like when I take care of me, I show up mm -hmm. the best for those around me. So I love that you said you owe it to yourself. So... I want to know how did you get the confidence and where did this confidence to share this whole story even come from before we start talking about entrepreneurship and coaching and stuff, because that, that's really the first step before we can step anywhere. We got to believe one, it's possible and two, we can do it. So how did yeah. you find that confidence in yourself? You know, it's funny. Um, I started kind of sharing my story, like a tad bit to coworkers that would mention things about their relationships that they were in or had been in. And I found that the more that I was able to relate to them, the more that they were able to open up. So they were able to heal or work on something, but I was able to heal and work on something. And so over the years, it just kind of progressed. And once I got into the entrepreneurial space, I knew that I wanted to help other people grow. I wasn't sure how that was going to happen, but I knew it. And I had been telling myself for a while, I had made the decision that I went through the abuse for a reason. It didn't happen to me, but it happened for me. And there's a purpose behind it. Yes. And the more that I started thinking about it that way, one, you take back your power of letting somebody else control you and you're able to control your emotions on a much better level but you're also able to see the positive in everything. And when I stepped into the entrepreneurial space, it's like the doors opened up. More people started randomly talking to me about things they had been through, bad relationships. And so I just kept sharing and I kept sharing. And um, it wasn't until a couple of years ago and I was actually talking to my husband about it. And I said, you know what? I said, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. I said, I was meant to go through what I went through so that I could figure it out and I could then be the voice for others who are fighting silently that don't know how to talk about the things that they have been through, whether it's abuse, whether it's some type of trauma, because everybody, in my opinion, is fighting some type of silent battle. And I know what that feels like personally to fight something on your own when there's kind of support around you, but not really, I know what that feels like. And so I do believe that it is my gift to give back to those people and be able to relate and be able to be non-judgmental to them and be able to help them heal because I know what it's like to be there. Mm, I love it. And that's your gift, right? Your gift is to listen and be part of it, but also part of your gift is all the adversity was given to you at such a young age. Yeah. Right? I think so many times you, you talk with people and they, they get caught up in trying to avoid or wishing they could have avoided any of the hardships that got them where they are. But the reality is those hardships are critical to get you where you're at. Yeah. 
So how did you, or how would you share with our community? So somebody's listening right now and they just got this thing that they keep going back to that I would say is like a crutch in life. It's kind of one of those things that's maybe every time they think about that big dream that's in their head or that they really want to step, they, they shy away and fall back on because this happened to me. I can't do this. What would you say to that person? I would say that if you've been through something and that's the reason why you're holding back, you're missing the lesson. Mm. You're missing the lesson. If you look at anyone that has made it somewhere, look at Tony Robbins, for example, and the story that he shares of the things that he put up with and the abuse he went through as a kid. We all have something to share. And what I have found is while you may not have experience in the field or whatever it is that you want to do, it's your personal experience that puts you way above the expert level. And ultimately, that is what people are looking to connect with are those kinds of people, people that have the personal experience, the relatability. That piece is what draws people in. That piece is what allows other people to get support, to get relatability, to heal pieces from them. It's not always from a book. It's not from something that some doctor told them. It's seeing that they're not alone that everybody goes through their own struggles. Yeah, absolutely. And I think at times we minimize our our struggles, right? Like, oh, I didn't have this crazy thing happen to me, so my struggle is lesser than somebody else's. But on a scale, you can't scale it, right? Because everybody's struggle is unique to them. And with that comes a unique story that, that we can only, the world can only grow from if we share. Yeah. Right. If you don't find the confidence, cat, to share your story, you can't inspire the people that are listening to you. And I think so many times we want to minimize the importance and the uniqueness of our story. But every story, every story has somebody who's waiting to hear it. Mm-hmm. So, so you step into the story, you go into entrepreneur play, your entrepreneurship, and what did you first start with? And what was one of the biggest things you overcame personally? to make sure you knew you belonged? So my beginning of my entrepreneurship actually started in real estate. I thought I was going to be a real estate agent. thought that was the direction I was going to go. Um, but what I did do is I, I stopped having control of where my life was going. That was a big one that I had to let go of because For so long, I didn't have control. So when I got out of that relationship, I craved control in everything, right? My friendships, my kids, what I did at work. Like I needed to be in charge and in control of everything because if not, what the heck was going to happen, right? And so when I stepped into the space of being in real estate and I started having doors kind of open and people asking for things and getting these opportunities, I made the decision that no matter which direction I go, it's a stepping stone that's going to teach me more of what I want to do and more of what I don't want to do. And I get to make the decision on where that takes me from there. I love it. Right. I think so many times we miss the importance of learning what we don't like in life. Right, we only yeah. want to do the things we like or we think we like. No, you got to find out some shit you don't like. And there's only yeah. one way to do it, it's to do it, right? 
<laughs> yep. You know, so I, I, I love that. Now, let me ask you this, because you mentioned you were trying to be in control of all aspects of your life, friendships, kids, relationships, all that stuff. Did you end up letting go of control? I did. How'd that happen? It's been a process. It's been a very slow process. Um, what I have done is I've really paid attention to the situations that I've been in and I've looked for the reasons why I was in that situation. Mm. What was I supposed to learn from it? What was I supposed to gain from it? Instead of focusing on, well, this didn't happen and that sucks. And like, if I would have done this differently, like I, I wholeheartedly really pay attention to the journey and look for the lessons behind it. I started doing a lot of journaling mm -hmm. and I mean like scribble, scrabble journaling. Like it wasn't like pretty cute. There were some nights where I would just be frustrated and I would just, I would write for like 15 minutes. I don't even know what the heck I even said if it made sense, but it got it out of my head. And by getting it out of my head, I realized, oh my God, I can clear my thoughts. So I really, I have control. It's just the controls on a different level. And so as I have continued to grow, that's what I do through everything that I go through is I look for the lesson and I look for what it was supposed to teach me so that I can figure out the direction I'm supposed to go next. Mm. I love it. I love it. And here's the beautiful thing. You're not in control of it. Right. No. I'm, I, I, we're done trying to be in control of every variable in life. Yeah. What we are in control of is what do we learn from things, right? Because the thing about everything, like you just said, everything that happens to us has a lesson. It's up to us whether we receive the lesson or not. Yep. Because they come back around, FYI. <laughs> if you don't learn the lesson, it comes back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, life repeats <laughs> itself, right? I, I love it. Now, Lotus Effect is your your new endeavor now. You're rebranding. So I love when people rebrand business because that takes courage, right? Because you're literally walking away from a lot of the business stuff you created. So for those of you listening or uh, in the business world, that means walking away from logos and branding and all the potential social media followers you already created and hoping they transition with you, which takes a lot of courage, right? Rebranding is never easy. Nor no. is it nor is it easy in life to walk away from what people think we are, what we think people think we are, to recreate ourselves. So how did, tie it together for me, Kat, how did rebranding your life help you rebrand as a business and to launch forward into the Lotus Effect? Yeah, so rebranding my life for me meant closing a book and writing a new one. And I told everybody that for the longest time. I said, I'm not writing a new chapter. I'm writing a whole new freaking book. Like, I'm done <laughs> with this one, you wow. know? And so it, in knowing that I was growing and seeing the opportunities that were in front of me and realizing, like, again, this kind of aligns, but this really doesn't, I realized that, like, okay, so it's time to up level. It's time to go to something a little bit different. It's time to grow to that next point and I'm ready for it. And when I accepted that, that's when more doors started opening. I started meeting different level people, people that wanted to chat with me or have me on their conferences or their workplaces or all these things because I realized that 
this is all part of the process. Like you're supposed to grow. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to stay the same. If you stay in a spot where you are comfortable, you're never going to get to the next level. And so being uncomfortable for me is kind of one of those, like, you know, when you go to the edge of the diving board and you're like, I think I want to do it. I think I want to do it. I think I want, I think I'm going to wait. I think I'm going to wait. No, I got this. I got this. And you jump. Yeah. That's how it is for the world for me. So when I decided that I wanted to rebrand, I knew that I wanted to, but I waited until that gut feeling really came up and said, you know what? Like it's time, like it's time. So I really try to listen to that little voice that I hear ever so often. That's like, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. Like, okay, you need to reach out to this person. And it's amazing because in that process of listening to that and making that decision and accepting it, like, okay, then it'll come when it's supposed to come and it's going to work out. And just knowing that it's already mine, I ran into a networking hall, which was just for collaborations and helping people found out that she needed help with my services. And I was like, Oh, well, I've been thinking about rebranding. So you'd be a great fit to chat with me. And as soon as we made that connection and I opened the door, making the decision that like now is the time my podcast was launched on a radio station that reached out to me out of the blue. Nice. And I had two weeks to make this happen. So it, for me, these are just signs and things that I pay attention to now that I look for, that I looked for when I decided to start putting up boundaries and stop people pleasing and start accepting my worth and not what everybody else thought of me. It's the same concept. I had to learn to know that it's time for the next step and accept it and then be like, okay, when it happens, it's going to happen. It's go time. Like I'm ready for it. Bring it to me. And I just let it happen. I quit trying to control the situations and the doors, they, they flood open. They really do. You just have to pay attention to the little things. And be in motion. Would you agree you have to be in motion that if I'm sitting stagnant, waiting for the door to find me is probably not coming? No, you have to, you have to listen to that little voice. Right. If something tells you like, Hey, you should probably send that email, send the freaking email. If something tells you, you should make that phone call, make the dang phone call. There are tiny little pokes that you get that let you know that you're ready for something more. But if you don't take that action and you don't lean into it, you will fade it out to the point to where you don't even hear it. And I just, chose to hear it. I thought, you know what? Controlling it my way never goes the way I want it to anyway. So screw it. <laughs> screw it. I mean, like, what do I have to lose? For sure. Every time it happens, it opens up another door. So now it's exciting to me. It's like, okay, I'm waiting. Like, go ahead, tell me something. I want right. to know. Right. Like, I wait for it. Even if it doesn't work out, it opens in another door that may. It does. Right. Because And having... it's a lesson. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I love it. Um, did you have a nickname playing softball? I did. What was I, it? Um, well, I had a couple, but one of the ones that stuck for a while was Speedy Gonzalez. Okay. Yeah, I could see that because you have high energy. So I was like, I guarantee she has some kind of energetic nickname because she does not move slow in life. 
I was always the small one on most of my softball teams. So, but I can move in any position in any direction. I could get all three bases with a, a ball that was hit infield. Like I stole, I, on my varsity team, I was the one that stole all the bases. Like I got put in for other run. Yeah. It's, That's that you. was, that was the name. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, honestly, I was watching about halfway through. I was like, okay, I know she has a nickname. I got to figure yeah. out what her nickname is. Um, how are the kids doing today? So we talked a lot about all the transition and stuff you, you went through. You have, you have two, is that right? I do. I have two boys. How are the boys today? A lot better, a lot better than they were. Um, you know, I, my oldest one, especially kind of had to see his mom grow up for sure. And so he was parented very differently. Um, when I started my healing journey, especially once I really, really got into it and started realizing the different things and how conversating and being curious instead of reactive to things mm. can make a difference in your life. I started not only talking to my kids about it, but I started acting in that way. So if we were having a disagreement, I made space and I stepped back, which is something I used to not do. And I would ask them questions and eventually it just became natural to them. To where, you know, when my oldest one comes in, he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I just, you know, I was doing this and this. How can I help? Right? Like, but it really does. And I never thought about this parenting, um, you know, do what I say, not what I do. But I, I hate to tell everybody, it's not how it works. Like, they really do follow along when they see how you are acting. Yeah. And how you treat them is how they're going to treat you back. And so when I started opening up to them about the things that I was learning and how mom was trying to heal the trauma that she had been with. And my oldest one went through a lot of abuse um, mm -hmm. with my ex, unfortunately, as well. There was a lot of pieces that my kids had to go through. We went through a time of struggle for a little while until we really finally reached a place of being able to ask questions, be okay with being vulnerable. And I stopped judging my kids. Mm -hmm. I stopped expecting them to be better than me. I stopped expecting them to get over the crap so they could be more than I was. And I accepted them for who they were in the path that they were at at that moment. I love it. Kat, I've had so much fun talking with you. I think I could just hang out with Speedy Gonzalez for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. It's <laughs> uh, funny. Where... Where can our audience connect with you, Kat, to learn more about what you're up to, to support you and to follow along in your journey and all the journeys you're impacting throughout the world? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram uh, at The Lotus Effect Coach. So you can find me on on all those platforms. Um, I do have a private Facebook group as well, where I really help entrepreneurs through their journeys. Um, and that is the Lotus Effect group that you can find on Facebook, um, or you can visit my website, which is the-lotus-effect.com or come follow along at my podcast, Real Chat with Cat. I have a lot of fun with that one too. I love it. Well, thank you so much for having the courage to share your story and to use your story as a platform to to impact the world for good, right? And to just put a little positivity out there. I appreciate the opportunity to be in front of your audience. So. <laughs> Thank you, Kat. And remember team, life is far too short to live any other way than on purpose. We'll see you all again next week. <laughs>